this book is partly a cautionary tale, like many Holocaust books are, and they're all important stories to tell. But what is a little bit different about Unearthed is I tell the story, but then I talk about, well, what does this mean to us? How do we live with this? And what do we tell our children? You know, speaking of memorial candles, what is our obligation as parents to tell our children about histories that could be tragic? Hi, I'm Meryl Frank. I'm the author of Unearthed, a lost actress, a forbidden book, and a search for life in the shadow of the Holocaust. I was always meant to write this book. It was something that was deep inside of me. I grew up with something called, it's an Israeli term, it's called the memorial candle. And that's the person in the family that remembers the history. In my case, I was told the history as far back as I can remember, the history of my family in Europe, um, where they lived, what the address was, what they did, what their occupations were. But it all abruptly stopped with the war. And after that, all I would hear was that they didn't make it or they're all gone. And so even as a, a young child, I was interested in what happened, who were these people? And it was something that stayed with me for a very long time. And I learned a little bit more. I learned shortly before my aunt died that there was a book that described how my cousin died. Now, my cousin was an actress in the Yiddish theater in Vilna, which is now Vilnius, Lithuania. And there was a book. My aunt had a book, and she gave it to me. She said, I want you to have this. I want you to pass it to your children, but don't ever read it. This is the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore in Unearthed. Meryl Frank tells the story of her cousin, Franju Winter, a celebrated Yiddish stage actress in Vilna in Eastern Europe who died in the Holocaust. Meryl Frank was mayor of Highland Park, New Jersey for 10 years. She was appointed to the United Nations Commission on the Status of Women by President Obama in 2009. She works with women around the world on leadership and media issues. You've learned a lot about your family and the Holocaust. How did you, I mean, how did it come to be that you survived? Your parents, were they in uh, Eastern Europe as well? You know, my parents were here and my grandparents were here. This is the family, these are the families of my grandmother, whose name was Meryl, I was named for her, and my grandfather. And I knew about them because my family was very into history. And we had photographs of them from before the war. And my aunt, my Aunt Molly, was a history teacher. And she decided that I was going to be the one to learn. And so I would sit with her and pop M&Ms, and she would tell me <laughs> stories about the family. And I never forgot them. You were, the, as you described it, the memorial candle. You were sort of the, the designated person who was to pay attention uh, to the old days. I mean, did you find your other, I don't know, siblings or other relatives, you know, were happy to give this job to you, or did, did they have a similar interest? Well, you know, it's interesting because I'm the youngest of four daughters, and so you would think that the oldest would have been designated. But my sister's we're all given American names. I was given a Yiddish name for my grandmother. And I think that my aunt saw me as in some strange way, a reincarnation of my grandmother. 
Mm-hmm. And she wanted me to be the one to know the stories. My sisters know little bits. But, you know, when you're writing about history, and I'm sure you know this, there are different perspectives. And so when I started writing the book, I said to my sisters, how often did our aunt visit us? And one sister said every week, one sister said every other week, and one sister said once a month. I said, do you see how we remember things differently? In this book, I'm going to tell my story and the way that I saw it. Now, your book tells about your research into how your cousin, Franja, died, who was a star of the the Yiddish theater. But as you you told us, all along, you had a a book, 21 and 1, that explained her death. Why didn't you read that right away? Well, my aunt, if you knew my aunt, you'd understand. <laughs> she was a powerful <laughs> character. Um, but I, I don't know. I sensed that there was a reason she didn't want me to read it. I was thought maybe it was the death was so horrific that she didn't want me to know. Or maybe my cousin was a collaborator. I didn't know what the reason was. Um, but I trusted that my aunt didn't want me to read it. And so I decided to do the research without reading the book. Mm. And I was lucky that she was a celebrated character because what I was able to find were reviews of her work and eventually testimony of someone who was with her, according to them, when she fought the Nazis and when they killed her. How much do you want to tell us about how Franja died? Um, I, it's, it's something that I think you have to read the book to find out because it's moving and also very difficult. And it's interesting that I could write the words, but it's very hard to say them. One of the possibilities you raised that, was she a collaborator? She was not. No, she was not. I was very happy to find out she was not. No, she was somebody that I'm very proud of and um, who stood up for herself and um, fought and... You know, it was the information that I found on her. It has its own story. I don't know if you've ever heard of the book smugglers or the paper brigade, but this was a group of people that were essentially slave labor of the Nazis, and they were professors and librarians, and they were asked to find the best material from the libraries in Vilna and send it to Germany for a museum to the extinct people. What they did was they hid the best documents and brought them into the ghetto at risk of death and hid them beneath the ground. Well, one of those people was a theater historian. And so there are documents that were hidden beneath the ghetto and dug up after the liquid, after, um, after the, the Nazis left. Mm-hmm. And um, I found information on her there. I found her actors union cards and programs from plays. And I was eventually able to find reviews and even a poem in a newspaper about her. Franju uh, Winter was a, a famous actress in her day in the Yiddish theater. Can you tell us first about the Yiddish theater? I mean, there was Yiddish theater in New York City, for example. Well, the Yiddish theater was very interesting, um, and it does still exist. In Europe, it was very avant-garde. They really stretched the limits of what they were doing. They were adapting other plays. They did Yiddish King Lear. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the most famous um, plays was Tevye the Milkman, which ended up being Fiddler on the Roof. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and they were very avant-garde. They dealt with issues that we deal with now. They dealt with sexuality. They dealt with you know children leaving and generation gaps. They dealt with all the sort of issues that we deal with now. When some of these plays came to New York, one called God of Vengeance came to New York. It was actually shut down. Um, hmm. because here the morality police were much more strict than in Europe. Yiddish, maybe we should say, is a, a language spoken by many Jews in, in different parts of, or in, in the old days, in different parts of Europe? Yes, in Eastern Europe, um, it's a language that has some basis in German, in Hebrew, in Russian. Um, they would take words from different um, different languages where they were living, and they established their own language. And in Vilna, the city that I'm writing about, it was sort of the center of Yiddish culture. This is where the writing came from. This is where music, art, Yiddish was the language of the city, which at that point was 40% Jewish. Uh, tell us more about your, your cousin, Franja, and and what she did. You had a, a whole bunch of pictures from your family uh, that you looked at, but you said the pictures of, of Franja were, I don't know, more exciting. They were in black and white, I think you uh, write, but it's, they, in your memory, they're in color. That's right. That's right. Well, the photos that we had of Franja were her publicity shots. And she was dressed in 1920s in the page boy haircut and the makeup, or else she was dressed as a little girl or a porter. Um, they were fabulous photos. And this was the period where, you know, we all have those family photos where they look very solid and, and severe. But mm-hmm. here she is alive. And I could relate to her. It wasn't until later that I saw the full collection. And that was eight years ago now. I received an email from the Memorial de la Shoah in Paris. That's the Holocaust Memorial. A man came in with 50 photographs that he found in a house that was about to be demolished. And the photographs were of an actress in costume and portraits of her family. And he was in love with this. He was enchanted by her and kept them for 40 years and then decided that it was time to bring them to the memorial. And also the archivist who he handed them to was enchanted by her and spent five months looking for her family and found me. Mm. So I have this collection of photographs, which is outstanding, and you can see her character in them. You know, so so much of being a historian, I believe, is interpreting things. You know, it's more than the family tree. It's more than, you know, the skeleton. But who were these people? And by looking at her photographs, you can see her character. Vilnius, which is the, the center of attention, I would say, in, in your book, uh, Unearthed, has, has several names and was ruled in the 20th century by several consecutive countries, uh, Germany, Lithuania, Russia, Poland. How did these political changes impact your story? Well, as a researcher, it was very important because when different rulers would come in, when the Polish came in, they changed the names of the streets. And when the Russians came in, again, they, or the numbers would change. You know, as a researcher, I had to understand what that meant, you know, to try to find places that that were more accurate. In fact, I found my grandparents' house. It was very important to understand what happened in all of those years, also because the records change languages. 
some of the records are in Polish. Some of the records are even in German. Some are in Russian and some are in Lithuanian. And then add on to it Yiddish. So we're talking about many different languages. And when you're you're doing research in Russian or in Yiddish, Yiddish uses a Hebraic um, alphabet and Russian is Cyrillic. When they translate those words into English, it can be spelled 10 different ways. Hmm. So it makes, you have to be very flexible as a researcher. Almost all of the Jews in what is now Lithuania were executed. Is that, is that true? Yes. Yes. Um, Something like 90, now, over 90%, right? Over 90, way over 90%, yes. As I said, Vilnius was a city that was about 40% Jewish. And now I think there's a 2,000 left. Why did that happen? Oh, that's a good question. It happened because of hate. It happened because of unfounded beliefs that people were not um, human. And it's something that we, that, that hasn't gone away. Um, it hasn't gone away in the Jewish community. You know, we know now the FBI reported this year that anti-Semitism is up tremendously. And we know around the world that that's still an issue. But we can, we can look at racism, we can look at hate of all kinds, and say, this hasn't gone away, and frankly, I don't understand why. You know, it's something that we have to be able to look at and call out when we see it. Because mm-hmm. this book is partly a cautionary tale, like many Holocaust books are, and they're all important stories to tell. But what is a little bit different about Unearth is I tell the story... But then I talk about, well, what does this mean to us? How do we live with this? And what do we tell our children? You know, speaking of memorial candles, what is our obligation as parents to tell our children about histories that could be tragic? Do you have an answer? What do we tell our children? I do. I do. Um, You know, I have four kids. And my kids grew up hearing about the Holocaust all the time. (laughs) And um, my daughters, I interviewed them. They're adults now. I interviewed them for the book. And I said, my daughter told me that they played the Holocaust game when they were children. I I thought, oh, what did I do to my children? I made them crazy. And they said, no, no, no. It was, they would take their stuffed animals and hide. And she said, it was more like a boogeyman game. And I said, did I make you paranoid? Did I make you afraid of your neighbors? And they said, no, no. All four of my children said, you made us aware. And you made us aware of, that we need to be careful, not just for our own community, but for everyone to understand when things are happening and to be able to take action. And I think that this is what was important. You know, there, there are four wonderful, healthy young people. And um, I think that what, I wasn't thinking about it then, but looking back on it, I think that they had a sense of agency. They had a sense that they could do something and should do something. Mm-hmm. If we expose our children to the horrors that exist in the world, but we don't give them anything to do, it could leave them paralyzed. Mm. It could leave them paranoid. But if they have a sense that they can do something when they see an injustice, that they can speak out and do something about it, they're not helpless. And I think that that, that is, is what I talk about in this book. So it's, it's, it's a history, but it's also, it's also about the present and the future.
How long did you work on this project, if you will? Well, I've been doing family history my whole life. And, um, you know, when when Ancestry.com came on board and Jewish Gen and I was doing more family history as, you know, a tree, essentially, and um, did them in school, even in college, wrote. But it wasn't until eight years ago when I received that email from the Memorial de la Shoah and went to Paris and saw the photographs and met the man who kept them for, for us, who saved them, that I realized this needed to be a book. And I thought that I would take two years to write it, and it took seven. You travel all over the world, really, or a good part of the world to do this. I did. Um, I spent a lot of time in Lithuania, um, in the archives. I spent time in France, in Israel, um, and in the U.S., at the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum in Washington, but also at the YIVO Institute for Jewish Research in New York. They have the second largest collection of Holocaust documents in the world after Yad Vashem in Israel. And they're little known. Um, you know, if you have people that are, are looking into a Jewish history, it's a very important place to go. And this is where the documents were that I was able to touch that were buried beneath the ghetto. Um, but as far as traveling, I traveled all around the world to um, meet with survivors, to go to archives. But I also hired people in other countries to do research for me in Belarus, in Ukraine, in Lithuania, in Latvia, um, France. It was you know very and, and even Argentina. Um, it was important that I was able to find people who could do the research and then translate for me. But I knew this exactly must, what I was looking for. This must have been a costly endeavor. How did you afford to pay for it? Well, I still on the side was doing some of my own work, and my work was, um, what I do is I do leadership training for women all around the world, and I would keep jobs, and everything that I earned went into that, and I'm very lucky that otherwise my husband was here, um, but it, I realized it is a luxury to be able to do that. I was able to find the researchers on Upwork.com. And there you put a, a description of what you're looking for. I, for example, I'm looking for a Russian researcher to look into the, these names in the Yiddish theater, um, Rudolf Zaslavsky, Franja Winter, and people would respond to it. And that's how I found them. At, at some point, you went to a, a writing seminar or school out in Iowa, and that's where you made your determination of the exact nature of Franja's death. Yes. Well, I, I went there because, you know, I have been a political person, a mayor and an ambassador, and and I can write a hell of a speech, but I've never written a book before. And, you know, a speech is, is, is just the essence of a message, but the book is all of the details. And I thought, I need some help. And so I went to Iowa to this writing festival, and that is where I learned what happened to my cousin. And, you know, I wasn't with my family. I, I, I received the translation. And I decided this was the right place to do it. I, my class was filled with, with people from the mid, mostly from the Midwest, who really, some of them had not much experience with Jews or Jewish culture. And, 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 you know, you come, become close in a, in, in a classroom. And I decided that this might be the place, the right place to, to read it. 
And mm-hmm. I didn't read it beforehand, and I read it to the class. And as I was reading, you know how your eyes go ahead of you before it comes out of your mouth. I read what happened to her and slammed, slammed the computer shut. Mm-hmm. And I eventually, I opened it up again and read it to the class to tears, you know, my own and the class members. And I think it was an important moment um, because I had, um, I felt that I was doing a bit of educating in addition to finding out um, mm-hmm. the truth of what happened to her. And again, my, my professor said, this needs to be a book. <laughs> Well, it's good to have the validation. Uh, he uh, and you have been, or you've to Vilnius probably multiple times. And you tell one. I recall one little story about your husband. That you know, today Vilnius is kind of a jolly place, isn't it? It is. Um, it's a lovely city. It's my husband called it the Brooklyn of the Baltic. There are espresso shops. There's a bagel shop. There's, um, you know, you can find all sorts of of delicacies that you find in the rest of Europe. And it's a very beautiful city. What's interesting, though, is that you go to these sections of the city where the ghetto was, and people don't realize that that's where it was. Mm. And, you know, there are advertisements for this beautiful city, and it's in the middle of the ghetto where people were dying and died where thousands, hundreds, you know, it, it's it's really a strange juxtaposition to be in a modern city where life was was taken from so many people and people don't know that they're living in those homes. Mm-hmm. And I guess this is what happens when time moves on, but it's also a reason to write a book and to say this is what happened there um, it's important to remember them, to give the humanity back to those people who lost it, and to say, um, this is, can't happen again. The uh, Nazi German in- invaders, I mean, who occupied Lithuania for some, some years, I mean, they they had followers from, from there, the people of Lithuania themselves, the, the Poles who were nearby, maybe the Russians, although it seems like the Russians were the, I mean, they're the ones that liberated Vilnius, correct, at the end of World War II? Well, they were the Allies, yes, they did. Um, but unfortunately, there were Lithuanian collaborators, and, and there was a movement, you know, a, a ultra-nationalist movement, and, um, and they were, at first, ex- they were used by the Nazis, they were um, enthusiastic supporters, but used by the Nazis. Look, these are cities where there were a handful of Nazis. There had to be other people helping to enforce their rules. And in fact, the people who did the murdering outside of Vilnius in a place called Ponari, which was a pit, um, were primarily Lithuanians and Ukrainians. Um, and it's, it's a difficult history for um, Eastern European countries to accept, but they are now, and that's very important. Mm. There um, were, of course, also people who saved, who saved Jews. Yes. And I tell a story about that also. What is your story about that? The story is 
um, this book that my aunt gave me was rescued. It was a story of 21 and one actors who were killed in the ghetto. And a man came, his name was Baroslav Boratowski, came to the ghetto after the liquidation, that's after they were all gone, and found the manuscript. He brought it home and stuffed it into the ground to a family that he was hiding, the Etchigens. He, This was a family of a mother, father, and two sons. And he, what he did was he knew him. He was a business associate. And Mr. Etchigen had been very kind to him. And he said to him, if you ever need help, let me know. And so he did. He let him know. And he dug a hole in his yard and covered it. And every night would bring food out to him and take away the waste. But he gave the family this manuscript. Mm. And after the war, they couldn't walk because they were had been in this hole for 14 months. But they made their way back to Vilnius, or Vilna then, and then to the United States and to Canada. Did Franja ha- have an opportunity to escape ever? I mean, early on? You know, it's it's a sad part of the story is that my family here tried to convince them to leave. And they were they were well off. They were well integrated. They, my cousin was a businessman. Franja was a famous actress. My aunt was, you know, they, they were... It was so much a part of their life that they couldn't believe that anything could happen. You know, we have to understand that. We, we, we can live in bubbles. We can insulate ourselves from reality. And I think it's very important to see what is happening around us. And so they didn't leave when they, you know, they didn't leave years earlier when they could have. Mm-hmm. And then by the time that it was necessary, it was impossible to get out. The United States had changed their quotas and were not accepting Eastern European Jews or Jews at all. Meryl Frank is author of Unearthed, the story of her cousin, Franja Winter, a celebrated Yiddish stage actress in Eastern Europe. How has the book and, its, and the reaction to it affected your life? Reaction to the book has been fantastic, and, you know, I had no idea what the reaction would be. You know, my friends and family would read it, but of course they have to tell me they like it. But the reviews, people that don't know me, um, are raving about it, and I'm thrilled. You know, there's a message here, and this uh, the message is that we need to be vigilant, and we need to call this out when it happens. Mm-hmm. If there's also a message that this did happen, that these were real people with real lives, and there's an attempt here, in my mind, to bring them back, to give them their dignity. That is seems to be happening. The other thing that seems to be, I'm hearing about a lot from people who are reading the book and reviewers, is that they're interested in their own history because of it. Mm-hmm. They're saying, oh, she could find this out, maybe I could find things out. I'm thrilled about that, because I think... You know, we, we, we all watch Finding Your Roots with Henry Louis Gates, and every single time somebody ends up crying. And the reason they cry is because it touches them so deeply, and it gives them a context for their life. And so I'm thrilled if this encourages more people to look into their own history and to understand, and in some cases, in my own, to heal. There have been many books written about the Holocaust. Uh, what do you bring to the discussion that's, that's different well, what is unique about about Unearthed is that, yes, there is a story, uh, and they're, they're all terribly important to tell, the story of what happened to this one woman. 
But also there is this discussion about, well, what do we do with this information? And what do we tell our children? And I think that that's very important for people to know um, and to think about. And whether the issue is anti-Semitism or racism or climate change, you know, it doesn't really matter that the world that we live in can be a dangerous place. And hiding our heads in the sand doesn't help. And we can learn this from history. What we can do is acknowledge reality, to be vigilant, to call out hate and and tragedy when we see it, and to, to live our lives in a way that makes a difference. Meryl Frank is author of the book Unearthed, uh, the story of her cousin Franja Winter, a celebrated Yiddish stage actress in uh, Eastern Europe who died in the Holocaust. You've been listening to The Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cutmore.